3: Good morning, Los Angeles, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai for 32 years and counting. Wow! I'm joined each and every Saturday morning by Zach Elcaldi, putting the sound bites together. He's the glue. I'm the spaghetti. He's the marinara sauce. And the great Steve Paulette still doing the Facebook page. What a treat it is to be here again every Saturday morning with you. Yesterday in the operating room was great. This whole week was great in the operating room. A beautiful combination of hip surgery, knee surgery, and shoulder surgery. Awesome pathology. Yesterday was fascinating. It was... Surgery for a dislocating shoulder. You know you're ready for surgery when you come to my office and say, you know, Dr. Clapper, it's now going out in my sleep. That's when usually people have had enough. 32 years ago, to fix that dislocating shoulder was a two-and-a-half-hour operation. Open surgery. It was called a T-capsular shift. It did so many of them. And I always felt, why do I have to make an incision in the front of your chest, go through the pectoralis major and all these beautiful muscles that have nothing to matter with them just because they are superficial to the ball and socket joint just so I can get into the shoulder joint. Well, 32 years later, two and a half hour surgery is now a half an hour. Through the arthroscope, boom, I'm into the shoulder joint. You can see where the labrum is torn. And sometimes, as in the case yesterday, a piece of the bone came off when the shoulder dislocated, which makes it a little bit harder. It's called a Bankart lesion. But to be able to use three tiny little puncture sites, in essence, it's like using chopsticks to build a boat inside a bottle. That's basically what you do. And you can't look at your hands. You have to look at the TV screen. The camera makes the picture on the TV screen, and you have to learn how to move your hands based on what you see on the TV screen. And it takes time. Surgery is a learned skill. It doesn't happen overnight. But it's awesome to be able to save that patient all that extra hurt and the healing is just remarkable. Damn right. It was just a great great way to start my day. Then I did a bunch of hip surgery and knee surgeries. And on Wednesday, to be able to do a reverse shoulder replacement, which I do a lot of now for people who have bone-on-bone arthritis in their shoulder and no rotator cuff to work with, another awesome way to start the day. And then I did hip and knee surgery. So it's been a great week. And it started last Sunday with an even bigger week in the ocean. The waves were gigantic, well over my head. The waves last week were so big, because I have no hair on top of my head, I wear a hat, a special hat that has a strap so that it doesn't come off when I submerge under the water. Well, the waves were so big I popped up and I had no hat on. And as I'm paddling back out to the lineup, all my friends out there are going, "Robbie." Is that you? They don't recognize me because now I'm a bald-headed guy paddling in the ocean, not wearing my hat. It's awesome. I'm so excited for today's show because at 8.15 calling in is Walter Lee. Walter owns one of my favorite hot dog places in Los Angeles called Fab's Hot Dog. Started by the two brothers who started Fabricini, by the way, the restaurant's. That's why it's called Fab's Hot Dog. But Walter's the owner now, and he's been that way for a long time, eight years, I think, the full-time owner, the primary owner. And what's so special about this hot dog is they deep fry it. Mm, It's like deep frying a turkey. It's just delicious. But if you take a hot dog and you put it in a deep fryer, it's going to disintegrate. So you need a special hot dog that has thick casing. And the makeup of the inside of the hot dog has a special blend of the beef and the pork so that it won't disintegrate in the deep fryer. Mm, my mouth is watering already. The hot dog is called the Ripper. And it's imported from New Jersey. That's You can't get this hot dog made anyplace else. You got to get it from New Jersey. And so it made me think all week maybe think all week about hot dogs and how delicious this one is but it also made me think cuz you know how much I love the world of art i'm a sculptor in marble obsessed with michelangelo i love art i love surgery and i love sports that's why i'm on espn because this is the home of the lakers this is the home of the rams and i love the lakers and love the rams And everything about sports. So, if you want to talk about New Jersey and what's so special about importing this hot dog, it made me think all week as an education for myself what is it about New Jersey that fascinates me? And here it is New Jersey is not New York City, it's right next door. It's in the shadow of New York City, just like Anaheim is in the shadow of Los Angeles. Nothing wrong with Anaheim. You should be very proud if you live in Anaheim. But you should also be proud you live in New Jersey. But you also have to be humble. Because if you're too loud, people say, hey, calm down. You're not from New York City. You're from Jersey. Calm down. You're not from L.A. You're from Anaheim. So to stand out if you're from Jersey or from Anaheim, You have to be humble, but you also have to be almost twice as strong. So where in art, where in sports, where in surgery is that powerful message of being humble and strong? Like the ripper, which won't disintegrate in the hot oil that they deep fry it. Well, in the world of art, there's a bridge. There's a bridge that this man, Bruce Springsteen, sings about. To go from Jersey to New York is the George Washington Bridge. Let's listen to what I'm going to talk about as it relates to New Jersey and New York City. Tonight, I'm going to take that ride, cross the river to
1: the Jersey side.
3: That's right. Bruce Springsteen? Writing he actually didn't write this song, but he sings this song, Jersey Girl.
4: Because
3: he's going from New York City to Jersey. He's going from Washington Heights to Fort Lee, New Jersey. On the George Washington Bridge. Why did they build it there a hundred years ago? Well, they originally planned to make it at 57th Street in the mid portion of New York City. That's where they wanted it. The politicians. But here's the problem. If you build that bridge on 57th Street going from New Jersey to New York, you're going to block all the barges that come up the Hudson River. Can't do that. So, Othar Amon, the architect, the mastermind, he built the Varrazano Bridge, he built the Bayonne Bridge, he built the Triborough Bridge, But the first bridge he built was the George Washington Bridge. And to this day, it's the busiest bridge in the world. 103 million cars went across the GW Bridge last year. 14 lanes. But boy, did he have a hard time building this bridge because he had a fight with the politicians. He said, listen, I don't want to disrupt the traffic on the river. So we have to build it where it's high. Washington Heights, 300 feet above the river. The Palisades, Fort Lee, New Jersey, 300 feet above the river. Then I won't disrupt the traffic on the river. Go build a bridge like that in the Depression. But in 1931, this bridge was finished. President Roosevelt came. It was a big deal. And the fighting was over. He actually accomplished it. But you have to hear the story about the, Brooke, uh, about the George Washington Bridge. So in art, that's where you're humble and strong. Athmar Amon, the architect, his story. And in sports, we're going to talk about my favorite athlete from New Jersey, Mike Trout. Wait till you hear his story. We'll do that in the next segment. But right now, I want you to hear the story of the George Washington Bridge, and more importantly, the architect, the man who dreamed it up, being so humble that when they took the picture, when Roosevelt came to show off this amazing architecture, feet, greatest bridge ever at the time, he was not standing in the forefront. You'll hear his daughter tell us, nope, my father stood in the back. He did not want to take any of the credit, even though he built it. This is the story in art of the humble and strength that comes with being about New Jersey.
5: New York City is the city of islands. With the population boom of the 20s, it was clear that many river crossings would need to be built. There was one man that was given the task of designing almost all the New York City bridges that stand today. In this next segment, we'll see just what it takes to build a massive suspension bridge. In
6: 1924, my father, Othmar Amman, was assigned as engineer of bridges to uh, construct the George
3: Washington Bridge. Listen to this story.
5: This would become Amund's first project as lead engineer, and he quickly became overwhelmed with the problems at hand.
6: I think first realizing that Lindenthal's project wouldn't float. Secondly, he was campaigning to have the idea of a bridge up uh, where it is now accepted. And thirdly, he had to be adjusted to the fact that he was appointed to see that this bridge was built. He had
3: arrows flying at his head the whole time.
5: They would begin construction in 1927 with a budget of $60 million.
3: They had to
1: carve out a section of uh, of upper Manhattan and Washington Heights where there were residential apartments, uh, you know, uh, people living in the path of the bridge. And it was no different in Fort Lee, although probably less so, because Fort Lee wasn't uh, as populated as Washington Heights. They started with the actual cement base of of, uh, both towers.
3: Cement is actually on the Washington Heights, New York side, but you know what's holding the bridge on the New Jersey side? Bedrock, solid rock. He bore, drilled the bridge into the rock of New Jersey.
5: Both towers comprised of 12 50-foot sections. Each tower section
4: was floated in one by one to the piers. The towers are 600 feet high and they needed to be that high to make sure that the bridge allowed very tall ships to go underneath.
1: Then they ran the cabling going, going across, the, across the top of the bridge. They had an actual machine that would ride along and, and lay the cables, you know, and, and spin it, sort of like a
3: spider would. It would spin, spin the cables back and forth. Back and forth. That's how you build a bridge, a suspension bridge. But again, it's 600 feet high, these towers. We're going to learn why it looks the way it does, though. Because they initially wanted to cover it with granite, like the Brooklyn Bridge is covered in stone. But you're building this in the middle of the Depression. Guess what happens? They tell you, you got no more money. And and the architect, Arthur Ammon, says, I built this so strong you don't need to cover it with the granite. This will withstand anything. They actually built
1: the roadways uh, at the same time, uh, going uh, until they converged to the mi- into the middle. And they brought them in on barges and were brought in and hoisted up uh, up to the up to the bridge and was sectioned off to each piece. The bridge was actually over-engineered. The cables have been buried deep into the palisades. The support of, to held this bridge is phenomenal. The bridge was designed to actually have uh, ro- more roadways to be added on if the,
3: in the future. He over-engineered it. Athmar Amon. Humble, strong. That's the point of New Jersey. Now you're going to listen to why I picked him as the man in art to represent New Jersey.
4: Twelve people died in the course of construction, which actually uh, is to us an inconceivably large number to be sacrificed, but at the time was not actually um, a huge number on a construction project. Bridge building is very dangerous. People are working up on heights when you're spinning the cables. There are loose wires that are flipping around. People get the bends from being uh, deep underwater working in the caissons when you're drilling footings.
3: These guys have no net underneath them. You're 600 feet in the air. One false move, you're dead.
5: Halfway through the construction, the Great Depression hit, and the grand scale of the bridge would be forced to be reduced.
4: Originally, it was supposed to have a very elaborate and rather 19th century looking granite covering for the great towers of the bridge, and they decided they didn't really need to do it, that the steel was strong without it.
3: Othar Amund says you don't have to cover it with stone, and that's why it looks as beautiful as it does with that framework of steel, the skeleton of the steel exposed. They
4: had originally planned elaborate bridge plazas, which featured very 19th century decorations, but these were never built. Due to costs, the idea for these decorations was more the notion that a great bridge is an entryway to a city so that it conveyed to everybody that this was a noble city. Mm. Luckily the city did not run out of money in the depression to build the bridge. In fact, they came in a little bit under budget because costs went down in the great depression.
5: With the design cuts made, the bridge was able to open a full year early, which also saved an extra million dollars. On October 25th, 1931, the bridge opened its lanes to traffic.
4: When the bridge opened, there was a lot of festivities, and the President of the United States came to uh, demonstrate uh, two aspects of American engineering and ingenuity.
3: All the politicians were there, the very people Othar Amin had to fight with. There they were, taking credit for it. And listen to how beautiful this is. His daughter saying, my father didn't stand in front. He's the guy who built the damn thing. But he was humble, yet strong to convince all these politicians this is where it had to be. Nope, my dad was in the background. This to me is New Jersey. Listen to his daughter speak.
5: Atmar Amin would go on to design the Bayonne Bridge, Triborough, Whitestone, Throgs Neck Bridges, and the largest and last, the Verrazano's Narrows Bridge, before passing away in 1965.
6: I try to visualize father being here at the celebration of the opening of the bridge 75 years later. This was his favorite. He really had to take the courage and the, the entrepreneurship to, to push it all. If we see him there at the opening, he won't be standing there with his chest out. He would be quietly back in the background, just very modestly enjoying everybody else's enthusiasm.
3: Courage and modesty. You know who that is in the world of sports? Someone from New Jersey, my favorite baseball player. Coming up next, you're going to hear his story. The story of the great Mike Trout. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. The number is 877 710 ESPN. A little later, we'll do some clap revision.
7: Holy Emoji Clap Man. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy Slip Disc. That's right, Robin. <laughs> Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains.
4: Holy hamstrings.
7: Along with Doc's Clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers.
0: On your toes, Robin.
7: So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Wear Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. What's
1: going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning
3: than with my friend Dr. Clapper, And the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. My mother is felling in heaven right now when you say that.
8: Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with
9: Dr. Clapper,
0: Renaissance (laughs) man, certain sculptor, smoozer. Gee, Lord have mercy. Every Saturday
8: morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles
3: Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Joe Button from New Jersey. Thanks, Zach. I would never know. <laughs> if you're listening for lyrics about New Jersey, this is one of my favorite songs where it actually mentions Jersey. This is from Bob Dylan about Reuben Carter, the hurricane, the boxing champion.
4: Enzo Petty calls the cops.
3: Reuben Carter actually got released from prison thanks to that song and Bob Dylan. Hot New Jersey Night. But being in the shadows of New York City, it forces you to be humble because you ain't from New York City. You're from Jersey. So if you want to stand out, you got to be strong, gifted, and work hard. And when I thought about that, I thought about Mike Trout. To listen to the story of my favorite baseball player, now that Derek Jeter retired, Mike Trout is my favorite baseball player, and here's why. Because he's from New Jersey.
0: Welcome to Millville, New Jersey. It's a small town about 45 miles south of Philadelphia. Like a lot of small towns, it has a lot of little things it's proud of its history, its traditions. And local haunts that somehow always feel like home. But folks in Millville can tell you something else too. They can say that Mike Trout, maybe the best young player baseball has ever seen, comes from
3: their town. That's right.
8: If you hear Millville, everybody talks about Jim's Lunch. It's the best restaurant around,
3: I think. Coffee shop. What's
8: the special sauce? They won't tell you. They won't tell you. The secret. Not even you know yeah, I don't know. I don't even want to, know either. Because I'll be home trying to make it, and it won't, it won't turn out good.
5: When he comes in here, it's just like it was when he, he was in high school. From a humble guy coming in here to watching him on the big screen. And so many thousands, millions of people cheering for him. Money changes people, success changes people, and it has not changed him, not one bit.
3: You heard the architect. Atmar Aman's daughter say he was modest but courageous. The waitress at Jim's lunch in Millville, New Jersey, talking about Mike Trout, using the word modest, superstar, strong. Same thing, New Jersey, humble
0: but strong. You could just tell his talent level was head and shoulders above the rest of the people that were on that field. He was destined for something great on the baseball diamond.
8: I thought I was an okay player until you meet a guy like Trout.
0: It's Back out totally Trout, it is
8: caught! Oh, what a catch by Mike Trout! He can hit, hit for power, hit for average. And the way he runs, I said, man, you have a little soul in you, you run like that, that's pretty fast. He's very
7: strong. He has the football type of body that's able to look still graceful on a baseball diamond, whether it's stealing bases, whether it's tracking down fly balls.
3: He can do it all, but the God-given talent, just like Kobe Bryant, isn't enough. He's also the hardest-working guy. Doesn't take any of it for granted.
0: Since arriving in the majors in 2011, he's won two MVPs, five Silver Sluggers, and made five All-Star teams. But even if he's made it seem like he's a natural, those who've watched him closely will tell you his stories about hard work as much
3: as anything else. You listen to, you'll hear now Mike Sosha, who was his manager for a while, talking about how hard he works. Even though he does these dazzling things,
7: he's kind of a workman-like guy. It might look like it comes easy to Mike. He's an incredible talent, but he works hard at his craft.
8: things about what you can improve on you make a mental note in your head saying I need to work on my arm so you push yourself to
3: make your arm better pushes himself
0: so now at the incredibly still young age of 25 that combination of work ethic and otherworldly talent has shaped him into the best player in baseball and made it almost impossible not to talk about him in historical terms
7: I think what people don't understand is that he is Mickey Mantle. He is Willie Mays, Stan Musial, Ted Williams. Basically, you're talking a superstar level, a 10-win player. That's what Mike Trout has done for five straight years. He is an all-time great on the track of being one of the greatest players in the history of the sport.
3: And back to the waitress in Jim's Coffee Shop, talking about how every kid in Millville, New Jersey wants to be Mike Trout. It's in his blood. South Jersey and Cumberland County and Millville. It's, 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 it's in his absolutely. blood.
1: Absolutely.
5: You see all, all these uh, kids today, and they all want to be another Mike Trout. Everybody in Millville wants to be a Mike Trout.
3: Mm. Now you're going to hear Billy Bean. Remember they made that movie Moneyball about him. This guy knows baseball talent like Andrew Friedman for the Dodgers. Listen to him talking about that regretful... The time he saw Mike Trout, ate at the coffee shop, and they didn't pick him.
0: The longer I've been doing this job, the harder it is to get out and go see kids. I mean, especially, you know, a kid who lives in Millville, New Jersey, which, uh, by the way, is a flight cross-country to Philadelphia and about an hour-plus drive up to Millville, right? But our scouting staff kept telling us, hey, this kid, you got to go see this kid. So we take this cross-country flight. I remember that sandwich shop because it will haunt me the rest of my life we go see the kid, and our scouting staff loved him. The thing that's amazing about that day was I believe he went 0 for 5, and I believe he popped up like four of the five times. But you, you could tell he was an
3: athletic kid. Now you'll hear the scout from the Angels who, unlike Billy Bean, said, uh, we're taking him. Can you imagine? I'm talking about the greatest baseball player in my lifetime, the next Mickey Mantle, Mike Trout, and he's chosen 25th in the draft. Twenty-fifth. This is like Tom Brady, the 199th pick in the draft. This is like Steph Curry only getting a scholarship to go to Davidson. What is up with these guys who are so-called experts? But this scout from the Angels, he knew the intangible, the invisible it factor. He could see it. Greg Moorhart bragged on Mike the whole time.
9: But the first time I ever saw him was a game in high school game in New Jersey. He got a base hit, and I told our scout that was with me. I said, "Let's go. We left in the fifth inning, and he said, "Why are we leaving?" I said, "Well, we're going to take him if he's there, but he won't be there when we pick." And he said, "What are you talking about?" And I said,
3: "He's got something about him. the hit factor. But he is today's topic. When you're from Jersey, you're in the shadows. Of New York City. You're not in the spotlight. You want to play baseball? You better be from Texas. That's where the baseball players are. That's where the football players are, or California. You're not from New Jersey. And that counted against him.
7: When you're a player in New Jersey, you do know there's some bias against you. And as a result, there will always be a little bit of a, of a doubt about really how good you are, no matter what you do. Well, that kid looks really good, but, you know, he's doing it in Jersey. Well, let's see what happens if he played, you know, 40, 50, 60 games in high school in Texas.
8: Yeah, it was tough because uh, you couldn't get recognized. A lot of people don't know about, you know, obviously building New jersey.
3: Now you'll hear his teammate, Torrey Hunter, who he really latched himself onto, who's a great outfielder. Talking about, I made a lot of great catches, but I couldn't see it because I was catching the ball. What I witnessed on this one day in 2012, playing the Baltimore Orioles, and it's typical for Mike Trout, as humbly as he is. It's the home runs, the base hits, stealing bases is great, but he prides himself on playing defense, catching the ball. Something the Lakers, by the way, need to learn how to do. You want to be an athlete, you got to do this the unsung stuff, the behind-the-scenes stuff, robbing someone of a home run, more enjoyable to Mike Trout than actually hitting a home run.
7: Not a lot of 20-year-olds
0: not only perform well, but perform well in every aspect of the game that quickly. I don't think anybody, including Trout, thought he'd have the kind of year that he had in 2012. It was a season with almost too many Mike Trout highlights to count. But there was one signature moment that came to define his gifts more famously than any other. This one's at the center field and deep. Back out it is Trout, back it goes, it is
10: caught!
0: Oh, what a catch by Mike Trout! Takes a home run away. What a play by the 20-year-old in center field, and you bet he's smiling. That was an unbelievable play.
3: Now here's Torrey Hunter talking about it. And now you'll hear Mike Trout say, I'd rather catch and rob someone of a home run than hit one myself.
8: That catch that he made in Baltimore, I was almost passed out because of the adrenaline that was in me, just watching him jump up and reach over that wall. Mitrab with another spectacular grab. It was one of the greatest catches I've seen with my eyes. I've made some, and people say, "Oh, Torre, it was an awesome catch," but I didn't. I didn't see it, you know. And just watching it, it was the greatest vision I've ever had. <laughs> I just try to catch everything in the outfit. I think it's better to robbing a home run than hitting a home run. We'll uh, stand it for
2: years.
3: <laughs> for me, this showed to showcase being humble but being strong, the essence of what New Jersey is in the shadow of New York City. Atmar Amman, who built the George Washington Bridge connecting New York City to New Jersey, fought all kinds of odds to make it happen. And it's now the busiest bridge in the world. It's not covered by granite. You see the guts of it. You see the framework of the steel rising 600 feet above the Hudson River. It's an awesome bridge to behold. Two lanes. I mean, two levels, 14 lanes. 103 million cars in a single year. But he's in the background. Doesn't want to have his picture taken. Doesn't want to be in front. Same thing for Mike Trout. New Jersey. Humble, but strong. Mike Trout had an injury. He slid into second base, tore the ligament in his thumb. A gamekeeper's thumb. The ulnar collateral ligament in the thumb, which I'll explain. Same injury Chris Paul had. Drew Brees. Had to have it fixed. I'm going to explain with some clap revision. There's a stitch that we use that you have to learn as a surgeon to be able to sew a ligament. Clap revision will be spaghetti in a box, that dried spaghetti. I'll explain what a Krakow stitch is, and you'll understand how we can repair ligaments and how Mike Trout's ligament in his thumb was repaired so he can grip a baseball bat again. And I'll take your calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN.
6: And man named Bello
7: Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly here, Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different collars, aches, and pain issues.
3: Right, I get it.
7: Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page.
0: It's John Ireland. You know there is no better way to start your Saturday than with the man who replaced Michael Thompson's hip, Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. Don't miss my show, Mason and Ireland, back Monday at 1, all here on 710 ESPN. What's going on
8: LA, this is Kobe Bryant Oh, I want to talk to you Start your weekend off right Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper It's all one big mush Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers
3: Great job, Zach that's the greatest guy to ever come out of New Jersey. Let's hear his voice, though. Big intro. He's from Hoboken. He wants... There it is. Let me sing for And adore. And adore. Yeah. In other words In other words Oh is
0: true In other words
3: In other words Ah love, love you That's Frank Sinatra yeah. Hoboken, New Jersey's finest If you ever visit Hoboken, just go into any sandwich shop. Any of them. Get yourself an Italian sub. The bread tastes different. The meats are different. Mm. We have Italian delis here. I love Domingo's in Encino. They They make a good, but it's still, it ain't New Jersey. You need to be in New Jersey to get an Italian sub. My mouth is watering already because they put sesame seeds. And the roll, the inside of the roll, the, the wheat is not white. It's yellow because it's semolina. These Italian sub sandwiches are just off the charts. All right. The number is 877 espn The line's are lit up. Let's go to, let's take this one. Mike in Whittier, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hello, Dr. Clapper. Uh, Doctor, How are you, Mike? Um, How young are uh, you? Michael, what do you do for I'm a living? I live in Whittier. How young are you and what do you do for a living? Um, I'm 62 and I'm a funeral director. A funeral director? Yes. Wow. So you have to comfort the family who's just lost a loved one and yes. somehow make that easy on them. Wow. That's amazing. How long yeah. have you been doing this? Uh, it's going on 29 years. How did you get into this business?
9: Uh, just by chance. Uh, I was looking for another job and someone re- recommended uh, you know, the position and I went for it. I've been there ever since.
3: Can I ask you a few questions? Do you mind now that I have you on the phone? This is like fascinating to me. Sure. How important is it, Mike, for you to hold the hand of the person who's coming to you, not only when their hand is face down, do you feel the bottom of their hand? But how often do you take your other hand and place it on top of the back of their hand? Um. Do you physically feel that not only just making eye contact and talking to them to comfort them, but do you feel touching them and shaking their hand or putting your arm on their shoulder? Tell me what it's like to comfort someone who's coming to you with a loss in their family?
9: Um, Well, doctor, it's, it's something I I never thought that, uh, you know, I I could do, but uh, when, when, when you care about people, uh, I think that's the number one thing you you, you have to have in you Hmm. uh, the care of people. Hmm. uh, And and that kind of, kind of helps you to um, Hmm. uh, help, Families at that time, because uh, because you have to, um, how would I say it? Just you have to uh, be for them, but you have to be strong for them, hmm. and, and and you have to pretty much do that with, with every family that you come come across. Hmm. You know, uh, just being strong for for them hmm. and uh, get them through the the funeral process, uh, hmm. pretty much.
3: Wow, that's amazing. Wow, what a powerful job you have, Michael! God bless you. I appreciate it. Listen, tell me how it can help you. Yeah. By the way, did you grow up in Whittier? Where are you from originally? What did your father do for a living?
9: Uh, my father he 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 was a welder. Uh, I was uh, born here in L.A., uh, wow. but we moved to Whittier and been uh, lived there uh, been living there ever since.
3: Wow! Wow! Yeah. All right. What you do to yourself? How can I help you?
9: Uh, well, doctor, you're, you're basically listening to every morning. You're the basketball doctor, so uh, <laughs> basically, I'm um, going up. This is some some years ago, going up for a layup, palm up, thumb, uh, you know, sticking out. Uh, guy came up from behind to try and swipe the ball. Instead of swiping the ball, he swiped and hit my thumb, mm. and basically, it's almost like it twisted the whole arm. Yep. And it's not the clavicle, it, it's it's the collarbone, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I didn't realize it at the time, uh, the, the pain went away, but the uh, the collarbone, right where it is at your shoulder, the bone sticks up.
3: Yep, that's a great, it's, it's that's called like a that grade a three time. AC separation.
9: Um, that, it hasn't bothered me, but recently at my age, you start to feel the pain just right at the end of mm-hmm. uh, the collarbone.
3: Mm-hmm. That's called a grade 3, so it's not grade 1, it's not grade 2, but a grade 3 AC, a acromioclavicular separation. Um, oh boy, okay. And to some extent, Michael, it's a blessing in disguise that it's so prominent. Unless your skin is getting red and the damn bone is trying to get through the skin, which I don't think it is because it's been so long, what you right. actually have done is separated two bones that are joined by a joint. Now, if you did this in your knee or your ankle or other joints, the two bones would rub inappropriately against each other, and you would need me to do some kind of surgery, an implant in your hip, your knee, your shoulder replacement. But guess what? You've actually separated, Michael... The two bones, they don't touch each other anymore. So there's no joint for it it to become arthritic in the sense that it will rub. So, yes, it's a very easy operation. It's called a Mumford procedure. And it's very easy to make a small incision and remove that prominent bump. But you know what I'm going to tell you, Michael? I'm a busy surgeon. I love doing surgery. I've been doing it for 32 years, 16,000 surgeries. Guess what? Leave it alone. I don't want anyone giving you cortisone shots or stem cells or cockamamie (laughs) injections. But you actually will have... Listen, I don't know you. I'm talking to you on the radio, but I'm pretty sure you don't look like George Clooney or Brad Pitt. So your career as a model is not going to be impacted by this. Yes, you have a bump. Be proud of it. You get to tell people you played basketball and you still are so active. If cosmetically you don't like the bump, ah, that's a different story. But there's no functional reason, I'm telling you right now, for you to do surgery on your distal clavicle. You can get information. You should get an MRI, see what the rotator cuff looks like underneath. But I'll be the first one to tell you, Michael, leave it the hell alone. You are only going to be asking for trouble. If it's really painful and you don't like the way it looks... We can nibble off the end of the clavicle with no big deal, no consequences. And if you want to understand what you did to the rotator cuff underneath, that's fine. But for the very fact that you have a chronic grade 3 AC separation, you lose no strength, you knew, you lose no range of motion, leave it the hell alone. That would be my advice. How's that?
9: It so, it sounds great. Uh, I, I, think the, I think the only reason is just maybe on certain days, you know, like when it's cold, you know, you yep. can just feel it. So I, so I, so I put some uh, heat rub or something on it, and it's fine. I still got the range of motion. And Michael, so, let hey, me tell you. you
3: something. You know what? You'll meet a few people in your life. They had surgery. Guess what happened to them? They're worse. Don't mess with it. God wanted you to look this way. It gives you some character. I'm here to tell you as an orthopedic surgeon for 32 years, it is not going to be of any consequence in your future. You do not have to go after it, and you potentially could make trouble if you did. It's an easy operation to do, but in my opinion, not necessary. You got your motion. You got your strength. It will not be an arthritic condition down the line. Leave it to hell alone. My opinion. That's all that it is, but that's my opinion, Michael. This is without seeing you, examining, feeling you, but if you are talking about a chronic AC separation in a 62-year-old man... As we say in New York, we say in New Jersey, forget about it. Get out of here. Leave it alone. <laughs> All right, Michael? I'll, I, I'll, I'll take that right Hey, thank
9: you so much. Yeah, it's, it, it's, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's something just off my mind. So, it's, uh, hey, thank you so much.
3: You're welcome, Michael. Listen, you know, ordinarily i tell you, you're a total stranger. Go find a total stranger and do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. But you know what? Every day you go to work, Michael, you care for people who really are in need, and you do it for 29 years. You're amazing. You're my—I want your autograph someday. Keep doing what you're doing, Michael. You make us all proud to be on this planet together. Thanks so much for calling in.
9: Hey, thank you very much, Doctor. Thank you so much. You're welcome.
3: God bless you. All right, Warriors, we'll take a break. I still need to tell you what the hell happened to Mike Trout's thumb, and what a stitch stitches in the clapper vision. But too many lines are lit up. But I'll clapper see if I'll make time. Maybe I'll. Start chatting away. Uh, So much fun to be able to give you some clap revision and talk to you. Although I didn't even give Mike any clap revision about his AC joint. I got to do that. It's too much fun. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN.
0: Hey, it's Sedano. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m., Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant.
3: Oh, my
8: God. That's amazing. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm still quelling. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
3: Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Is this Whitney Houston? She's from New Jersey. There you go, Zach. Good job. Oh, so much fun. Being humble, but being strong. That's what you got to be when you talk about New Jersey. Mike Trout, the George Washington Bridge, and the architect, Atmar Amin. For me in surgery, the tools, the power tools that I use, are made by a company called Stryker. Their power saws are the best. The blades are the best. When I do knee surgery, hip surgery, shoulder surgery, I don't have Makita. I don't have Milwaukee tools, and I wish I did because I'm the son of a carpenter. But we have Striker Power Tools, and I love them. They're based in New Jersey. Makes me happy. All right, I'm not going to talk about Mike Trout's thumb surgery right now because the lines are all lit up. Uh, Who are we going to? Nathan, in Simi Valley, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help, Nathan? Hey, doctor. It's an honor to talk to you. I've been trying to talk to you for years now. <laughs> My and pleasure. It's just, um, well, How young are you? What do you do for a living, Nathan? I'm an MMA fighter, sir. Oh, wow. Oh, that's fantastic. I, did, I, I can say it because he called in, but I uh, did surgery on Anderson Silva on his elbow oh. and then won three championships oh, wow. afterwards. What a what a beautiful oh, well, man he was. He's fantastic. I love the MMA. I can't believe you guys do what you do. You're an orthopedic dream because of all the injuries. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's I'll never point. I'll never not have patience as long as there's an MMA uh, league going on. That's for sure. <laughs> what you do to yourself? How can I help you? So Just
10: a quick backstory. In 2010, I played for the San Diego Chargers, and in the preseason, I blew my knee out. I tore my ACL, my PCL, and my LCL. Wow. And that was the end of my career. But then after that, I lost all the football weight because I was a wrestler Mm. in high school, and I went into MMA. Wow. But since then, I've torn my ACL again, and I'm bone-on-bone on my right knee. Now, I go to SCOE, Mm-hmm. And I had an MRI done and I had a, a scope done, and they don't want to replace the, the ACL because the knee is so thrashed. Mm-hmm. They said it's more stable now than if I was to get the surgery, mm-hmm. and that in 10 years I have to get my knee replaced. So how young are I you? I just want to know.
3: Nathan, how old I'm are you? 32. 32. 32. Hmm. Does your knee buckle? Does it swell? Are you limping? What's the story with your knee? It swells and I
10: limp all the time, but it doesn't really buckle. I think because of all the uh, scar tissue and Mm -hmm. whatnot, it maybe keeps it stable. That's Mm -hmm. what the doctor told me.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: Are you in pain? Is it bothering you? Oh, all the time. (laughs) Well, you know, you're 32. I'm not going to advocate anything other than uh, have I done an implant on a 32-year-old? I have. Sometimes you got no choice. I have a vivid memory. He's actually from San Diego. He's a stuntman that I did when he was in his 30s. Uh, he couldn't make a living anymore. He said to me, Dr. Clapper, I have a wife. I have two kids. Nobody will operate on me because I'm in my 30s. You know, I, I, I can't make a living anymore. I said, okay, I'll take care of you. 22 years later, he's a 60-year-old man. He came to my, because I've been doing this a long time. He comes to my office and uh, he says, Dr. Clapper, when I was 30, you did my, uh, my knee implant. And I'm going, oh, my God. God knows what this knee looks like now. He's been working as a stuntman and trashed it. He goes, no, that knee's fine. I'm 60 now. Now you have to go after my other knee. You know what? If you put it in right, it'll it'll last that long. And this is my problem with the robot. The robot is all marketed as it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, no pun intended. But if you really want the surgery to come out great, you have to feel with your hands the balancing of the ligament. Michelangelo did not need a robot to make the David. You want to be able to respect the medial and lateral collateral ligaments. You need to make sure the patella, the kneecap, tracks properly. You don't need, The robot don't give you a pair of hands to feel something. You know what I mean? It gives you the robot cut. But the cutting of the bone and the cartilage is really not the key. The key is the balancing of the ligaments. So it depends how miserable you are. If you're that miserable, and here's the thing you need to think about more than anything else, is your knee causing you, forget about pain and swelling, because that's very important, the limping. But if you at all are now going to tell me, Dr. Clapper, now my back hurts, my hip hurt, my other knee, because I'm overcompensating, I'm ruining innocent bystander joints, the other joints are now getting ruined because I'm putting up with this crap even though I'm just in my 30s, then, yes, you need to fix it. You need to fix it properly so that you don't screw up innocent bystander joints. Capish?
10: Yeah, it's just my doctor won't operate on (laughs) me.
3: Well, I'm not here to solicit patients, but I'm more than happy to see you if you want you can win the prize this week. You call my office, tell Arnie I said it's okay, and he won't make you wait three months to come see me. You can come see me, and I'll give you my opinion.
10: Absolutely, sir. I, I, it would be an honor. It would be a pleasure. Thank All you
3: right. So You're a your total time. stranger to me right now. I want you to find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me, and I look forward to meeting you. Absolutely, sir. You got it. All right. God bless you. All right. we have time for one more call? Chad, in Newport Beach, quickly, I don't have a lot of time, but I don't want you to be hanging and all the other people on the lines hang in there, but I'm going to take you right now, Chad. What's up?
2: Dr. Clapper, I'm back two weeks in a row. Do ah. you remember our conversation about the winged scapula? Yes. Time?
3: Yes. What happened?
2: So I went to the basketball tournament, and I played, and I was playing well, and then I caught an invertent elbow
3: oh,
4: God. to
2: the right side of my zygomatic arch,
3: Oh, in Both your face. A, uh, ay, ay, ay. Yeah.
2: That's what happened to Russell power. Westbrook.
3: Remember that? And the other guy it happened to who wore the mask, the face mask. Um, what was it? Rip Ham? No, uh, he may he have had, had that, but it was another guy. I forgot. Uh, oh, damn. He's Kyrie. Pretty- uh, Kyrie. Anyway, zygomatic arches your cheekbone for the weekend warriors who are listening. That's terrible. Did you have to have surgery? Oh.
2: No, 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 just four stitches. So my question is, what is your advice? Uh, I'm going to get my stitches out on Monday, but of course right there is prime time location on the face. What is your best recommendation on managing uh, the tissue now to avoid a cumbersome scar?
3: On your face. Yeah. Uh, That's a good one. You know, it depends on where, When, as a surgeon, the way we, we spend a lot of time figuring out, do you make the incision in the skin vertical or horizontal? Do you make it diagonal? Um, they're called Langer's lines. These, this is where the way the collagen lines up. So, unfortunately, the way the gash is in your face, whether it's vertical, diagonal, horizontal, and how it meets the collagen underneath is probably the most important aspect of the kind of scar you're going to get on your face. Um, You know, is there lotions to smear all over it? Uh, I'm not such a fan of all that stuff. Um, You want to make sure it doesn't get infected, obviously. But the face is very well vascularized. It's very rare for that to become an infection. The only thing I would say to you is this. If you want a minimum scar, if they say you should follow up in a week or two weeks, go in five days because maybe you can get the stitches out sooner and that would probably minimize the scar i will give you the name if you have a pencil you're driving i got a pen yeah right here you my favorite plastic surgeon for advice on wounds at cedars is david colber k-u-l-b-e-r call his office tell him i sent you from the weekend warriors show to make time for you I would trust that guy with, uh, with anything that happened to my face. And by the way, I have a face for radio, but that's a whole nother story. Um, but that's what I would do. Go see David Kolber, See if you can get the stitches out earlier than they say. That may be the best way to minimize the scar. Okay? Is that good advice?
2: Awesome. Yeah, I'm seven days. They said six to seven. So, yeah, I'm, I'm right at that. Yeah, uh, get it. I,
3: that, that would goal. minimize your scar. Get the stitches out if you can. Go see David Culber or see if you trust this person, then go see them. But go see them on Monday. Don't waste any time. All right. God bless you. Find a stranger today. Total stranger. Do something nice for them. That's how you be thanking me, young man. All right, Warriors. Coming up next, going to tell some stories about today's topic being humble and being strong. As it relates to being from New Jersey, we'll talk about Mike Trout and the man who built the George Washington Bridge that connects Fort Lee, New Jersey to Manhattan, the great Atmar Aman. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN.
4: With who loves
7: me. Miss an interview or Doc's weekly story?